Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Bill Stern with the Colgate Sports Newsreel. Bill Stern, the Colgate Shaker Man, is on the air. Bill Stern, the Colgate Shaker Man, with stories rare. Take his advice and you'll be keen. You'll get a shave that's smooth and clean. You'll be a Colgate Shave Cream fan. Oh. The 503rd edition of the Colgate Shave Cream Sports Newsreel. Featuring America's most famous collector of yarns and stories. Some legends, some hearsay, but also interesting, we'd like to pass them along to you. And to do this, here's radio's number one sports reporter, Bill Stern, who has just been chosen as the sports announcer Father of the Year by the National Father's Day Committee. Bill Stern. Thank you and good evening. Our guest tonight is the grand old man of baseball, Connie Mack. But before you meet Connie Mack speaking in person, here is real one. Say, fellas, does shaving leave your face with a razor hangover? You know that drawn, scraped, tender feeling? Well, listen. What you want is to take the punishment out of shaving is Colgate Brushless Shaving Cream. Colgate Brushless truly smooths and sweetens the shave, makes it really comfortable. Prove it for yourself on this great proposition. There's one buck cash says Colgate Brushless wins you in a flash. Yes, it will, and here's why. Because it's light and fine textured, Colgate Brushless completely surrounds, softens, and supports each bristle better than greasy, heavy creams. No matting down, no clogging. Your razor doesn't skid or skip when you use Colgate Brushless, but cuts through clean and smooth. Just try Colgate Brushless. See and feel the difference that the light, fine texture makes. Why, the toughest whiskers sweep off at the very touch of a razor, close and smooth, and there's no aftershave rawness or tenderness. Your face feels comfortable and refreshed. Get a large or giant-sized tube or jar of Colgate Brushless Shaving Cream tomorrow. Use it a week. If that doesn't convince you that Colgate Brushless is the ideal shave, then just send the carton top back to me, Bill Stern, Kara Colgate, Jersey City Zone 2, New Jersey, and you'll get $1 back quickly. You can't lose on this proposition. There's one buck cash says Colgate Brushless wins you in a flash. Real two. Portrait of a baby. <laughs> Many years ago, a baby was born. A baby that was destined to make history. For one of the first things that this baby ever remembered was a shot. A shot that was heard around the world. For when this baby was only three years old, President Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. That was the first thing that this baby remembers hearing about. This baby named Cornelius McGillicuddy. Cornelius McGillicuddy, who's since gone on to become famous the world over as Connie Mack. Ladies and gentlemen, the Connie Mack story. Connie Mack is a national institution now. Today, at 86 years of age, he manages the Philadelphia Athletics. He's the oldest manager in big league baseball. He's the most famous figure in baseball. But Connie Mack has not always been famous in baseball. For long ago, he had no idea of becoming a professional ball player. That is, that is, he had no idea of ever becoming a professional ball player until one day in the little town of East Brookfield, Massachusetts, where he was born, he overheard a friend named Marty Hogan say, Hey, I've been offered a job in big league baseball. Connie Mack decided that if his friend Marty Hogan could play professional baseball, so could he. Little did Connie Mack think that Marty Hogan, the man that he'd pattern his life after, would one day wind up in a barrage of pistol shots. For this same Marty Hogan shot his wife and his children, and then he killed himself. The only baseball player at Marty Hogan's funeral was Connie Mack. That was only the first tragic event that was destined to happen to Connie Mack in baseball. Years later, Connie Mack hired another ball player, a man named Sam Crane, the same Sam Crane, whose life also hit the newspaper headlines behind another barrage of pistol shots. 
Crane killed his sweetheart and another man. For which Sam Crane was sent to jail for life. Yes, Sam Crane went to jail for life, but he was finally pardoned through the efforts of Connie Mack. Nor were these the only times that tragedy was to strike Connie Mack's life. For in the year of 1887, his great idol was a Philadelphia baseball player named Ed Delahanty. The same Ed Delahanty whose body was later to be found floating face down in the Niagara River. Nor could Connie Mack ever forget another ball player. A player destined to be the most famous evangelist of all time. His name, his name was Billy Sunday. But perhaps the day that Connie Mack will remember the longest was one day shortly before the end of the 1929 baseball season. That day, he called his aging pitcher, Howard Emke, into his office, and Connie Mack said, Howard? Yes, sir. I'm afraid your pitching days are over. I've got to let you go. All right, Mr. Mack, but I think I got one good game left in my arm. Okay, Howard. I believe you. I'll start you in the opening game of the World Series. Start Howard Emke in the World Series? Connie Mack must be nuts. Why, Howard Emke was all through. He was finished. He was washed up. People couldn't believe it. Even his teammates on the athletics were stunned. However, Connie Mack did start Howard Emke. Whereupon this man that they'd said was all washed up, finished, old Howard Emke went on to pitch one of the greatest World Series games of all time. Yeah, that was probably Connie Mack's proudest day. But the day he was the most ashamed of came in that same World Series, when three days later, just before the start of another game, he heard... Yeah, boos. That Philadelphia crowd was booing as it had never booed before. While Connie Mack listened to those boos, his face grew crimson. However, the crowd was not booing Connie Mack. But they were booing the President of the United States, Mr. Herbert Hoover. But despite moments like that, Connie Mack's become a legend as he's traveled down through the years. Connie Mack, the most famous baseball manager of all time, loved and respected. He has walked down life's path with his head held high. Until today, at the age of 86, Connie Mack has been given every award that a man can win. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt said of him, You have been a great inspiration to baseball and to the youth of the nation. Speaking in person is the most famous sports figure of our time, Mr. Connie Mack. Good evening, Bill. I appreciate the nice things you said about me and all the nice things that have been written about me, particularly the splendid story in the current issue of Look Magazine. But, Bill... Tonight, I'd like to tell you a baseball story that you might not have heard. This is the story of a kid who wanted to be a baseball player. 
but his eyesight was poor. And so because of his poor eyesight, believe it or not, they wouldn't let him play. But they did let him umpire. However, that boy still wanted to pitch in the big leagues. And this year, he finally got his chance. From this man did pitch the first ball when my Philadelphia Athletics played the Washington Senators in the opening game of this season. For you see, the man I have been talking about is the President of the United States, Harry S. Truman. But Bill, maybe it's because Philadelphia is my home that I think that one of the strangest stories I've ever heard is the story of a former Philadelphia man by the name of John Andre. Connie Mack, it is one of the strangest stories ever told because it happened so many years ago we can't check all the facts. However, the story goes that John Andre was a British spy in Philadelphia, a spy who was hanged by the United States government. And yet the amazing part of this story is the fact that this man who was hanged by our government as a spy is the same man who introduced into our country the melody for our national anthem, the Star Spankle Banner. Portrait of a British spy who was hanged in America and yet who introduced into America our national anthem. Real three, Arthur Gary. Man, the shaving cream has to be mighty good to make such a proposition as this. There's one buck cash, says Colgate Brushless, wins you in a flash. Try it and see for yourself. You'll discover this. Because it's light and fine textured, Colgate Brushless completely surrounds, softens, and supports each bristle better than greasy, heavy creams. There is no matting down. There is no clogging. Your razor doesn't skid or skip when you use Colgate Brushless, but cuts through clean and smooth. Yes, that light, fine textured Colgate Brushless really fixes tough whiskers, makes shaving wonderfully fast, slick and easy, and leaves your face feeling delightfully relaxed and comfortable. Tomorrow, buy a large or giant-sized tube or jar of Colgate Brushless Shaving Cream. Use it a week. If you're not convinced then that it makes shaving just right for you, Colgate will send you $1. Just mail the carton top back to me, Bill Stern, Kara Colgate, Jersey City, Zone 2, New Jersey. How about it? There's one buck cash as Colgate Brushless wins you in a flash. Real four, profile of an amazing girl, a girl named Elizabeth Blackwell. Elizabeth Blackwell was born in England in the year of 1821. When she was 11 years old, she came to America. Elizabeth was an unusual girl right from the beginning. Instead of wanting to cook and to sew as other young girls of her time did, Elizabeth Blackwell liked sports. She wanted to be outdoors racing or swimming with the boys. And she beat the boys at sports. In fact, she was so good that when she grew older, she decided to compete against men in other fields. For as she said... If I can compete against men in sports, I can compete against men in business, too. But when Elizabeth Blackwell did try to enter a man's profession... Everybody was against her, for she tried to enter a profession in which no woman had ever been before. Yeah, Elizabeth Blackwell tried to do what no woman had ever done before. She tried to compete in a man's profession, and she might have failed. That is, she might have failed if it hadn't been for a man, a man who finally encouraged her. Yeah, a man encouraged Elizabeth Blackwell, encouraged her, and so she succeeded. For with this man's help... Elizabeth Blackwell became the first woman doctor in the United States. However strange as it seems, the man who encouraged her to become the first woman doctor in the United States, that man later became the president of the United States, for his name was James K. Polk. 
this is not the end of this incredible story of America's first woman doctor. For although Elizabeth Blackwell did become America's first woman doctor, with the help of a president of the United States, she found that people were still against woman doctors. That is, they were still against women doctors until one day when a worried mother rushed in to see Elizabeth Blackwell and said, Please, Miss Blackwell, will you look at my son? I've tried all over town to find another doctor, but I can't find one. Will you help me? Please look at my boy. He's so sick. Elizabeth Blackwell did save that little boy's life, and because she did, that became the turning point of her career. She had proved that a woman doctor could be a good doctor. Her practice grew, and prejudice against women doctors was ended. But that's still not the end of this amazing story. For the strangest part of this story is that the baby boy, that baby whose life Elizabeth saved, that boy grew up to become a champion rifle shot. He was such a great rifle shot that he was made the president of the American Trap Shooters Association. But the sportsman is not remembered today as a champion rifleman. No, but he is remembered as the president of the American Trap Shooting Association. And he's better remembered as the man who composed America's greatest marches, John Philip Sousa. the story of John Philip Sousa, who was president of the American Trap Shooting Association, and yet who might not have lived except for the first woman doctor in America, Elizabeth Blackwell, who saved John Philip Sousa's life. John Philip Sousa, who years later was destined to write America's most famous marching song, the never-to-be-forgotten Stars and Stripes Forever. That by their right and by their might it weighs forever. That by their right and by their might it weighs forever. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the 3 mark for tonight. Oh. Next Friday night, we'll be back same time, same stations, when our guest will be the famous orchestra leader, Mr. Guy Lombardo. See you then. Until then, I'll be seeing you on the screen in the news of the day, newsreels at your favorite Lowe's or Associated Theaters. Now, till next Friday night at this very same time, this is Bill Stern wishing you all a good, good night. Bill Stern, the Cobra Shaper Man, is on his way. Bill Stern, the Cobra Shaper Man, has lots to say. He told you tales of sports heroes, the inside dope he really knows. So listen in next Friday night. C-O-L-G-A-T-E. Portions of the Bill Stern Show were transcribed and came to you tonight from New York. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.